Okay, if you have your Bibles, if you need a Bible, turn to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And I'm going to read verse 25 to, to 30 just for context, but I'm only going to be dealing with the two verses, or three verses. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Hear the Word of the Lord to you this morning. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Here's our text. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and errant word. May bless it to our hearts and lives. This morning you may be seated. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I thought this would be a great text to preach on, considering in a couple of weeks we're going to be running like chickens with their heads cut off. And the one thing that's going to be a short supply is that rest, the physical rest. But it's good to know that Jesus gives us a rest that goes beyond the physical, a deep inner rest. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm going to get right to it with no further ado. I'm going to, the main message of this text is this. Jesus invites everyone who is spiritually worn out to find their rest in him. Um, that's a great message, isn't it? Especially in the church, we hear a lot about burnout. Well, Jesus says, come to him and he will give us rest. So the three things we're going to look at in particular as we break this text down, and I'm going to keep it pretty succinct this morning. First thing we're going to see from this text, to whom does Jesus make this invitation? Who's Jesus inviting? Simple question. Secondly, What's the nature of this rest that Jesus offers? You know, what kind of rest are we talking about? And the last thing we're going to see is what's involved in accepting his invitation? How do we know we are actually taking him up on his offer? So we're going to look at three simple things, and I'll try to keep it very simple. So to whom does Jesus make this invitation? Look with me, if you would, at verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now the text is simple. Jesus is speaking to those who are weary, tired, and who are burdened, overloaded. But of course we've got to ask, what type of tiredness are we talking about? What kind of exhaustion? Well, first of all, he's certainly referring to the weariness of sin. The destructive effects that sin has on us, and it wears us down, and it beats on us. He's talking about the weariness that comes from rebelling against God and constantly not listening to Him. Not wanting to take upon ourselves His rightful authority in our lives. He's talking about the tiredness that comes from us trying to be our own boss. You know when a little kid says to you, you ain't the boss of me. That's the tiredness. Because remember Jesus, the risen Jesus said to Saul, it's hard to kick against the goads, isn't it? Because Saul was going hard against God. 
and inside it was wiping them out spiritually. He's talking about the tiredness that comes from holding it all inside of us. Holding on to the bitterness. Listen, I want to tell you something. It wipes you out when you refuse to forgive. Did you know that? It has psychological effects on you. You hold it, you hold it. What it does to you is it poisons you. And spiritually, you're wiped. It beats you up. He's talking about the sinful patterns that, you know, when we say the same old, same old, that continue to bring us down. He's talking about rest from that. He's talking about rest from the crushing burden of the guilt that all the sons of Adam carry around every day because we fail to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we fail to love our neighbors as ourselves. And some of us are more perfectionists than others. Can I get an amen? Amen. And we like to beat ourselves up even. How we long deep in our hearts to be forgiven. Right? Really deep in our hearts, we want to be right with God. We want to hear our Father in heaven say to us, what what wonderful words, all is forgiven. Welcome home. Nothing brings a tear to a human eye than hearing those words, you're welcome here. Especially after you just went out and blew it like the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son? He thought for sure his father would, instead, his father had the open arms. There's a Spanish story, sorry I didn't have an Italian story, Espanol, no Italiano, um, of a father and a son who had been estranged. The son ran away and the father set off to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Finally, in his last desperate effort to find him, he put an ad out in the Madrid newspaper. And the ad read this way, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness from their father. Hmm. True story. It's those kind of people, weary and burdened from their own sin, the sins of others, that Jesus utters these words. For those who have ears to hear, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Come as you are in all your brokenness, all your messed upness, all your sinfulness, and all your poverty. We're going to sing the hymn later after the sermon, but I love these lyrics from this old hymn. Come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. Here's the line. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous, sinners, Jesus came to call. Don't wait until you're good, (laughs) because that ain't never going to happen. Jesus is in the business of saving souls from the inside out. If I had time this morning, I would explain in more detail all the other types of weariness that Jesus is referring to. But for time's sake, I want to mention just a few more. He's talking about those who are weary from being weighed down with greed. Yeah, 
Did you know greed weighs you down? Right? It's not money that's the root of evil. The love of money is the root of evil. And Paul says it has destroyed many folk. They're chasing the dragon. I told you this before, but I'll mention it again for our guests. Someone once asked D. Rockefeller Sr., how much money does it take to satisfy a man? Remember? And he said, just a little more. <laughs> Which means we're never going to be satisfied. Maybe you're weary of trying to please people. Hey, that's one. Some of us know about that intimately. Trying to make everyone happy. It's a game we know we're always going to lose, right? Because it's impossible to make everybody happy. And there are some of us that more than others, we tend to be people pleasers. We're not happy unless everybody's happy, which means we're never happy. (laughs) You remember that old Aesop fable? But the man, the boy, and the donkey. See if I could uh, say it right here. A man and his son were once going on with a donkey on their way to a market. And as they're walking along by its side, a countryman passed, passed them and said, You fools, what's a donkey for but to sit on? Because they were all just standing next to the donkey, both of them. So the man put the boy on the donkey and they went on their way. But soon they passed a group of men, and one man said, See that lazy youngster. He lets his father walk next to him while he rides on it. So the man ordered his boy to get off, and he got on. But they hadn't gone far when they passed two women, one of them who said to the other, Shame on that lousy lout to let his poor little son trudge along while he's on the donkey. Well, the man didn't know what to do, so at last he took the boy up before him on the donkey. By this time they came to the town, and the other passers-byers began to say, How could they treat that donkey like that and put so much weight on his back? So now they're both like, now what do we do? So now they get a long pole, the the boy and the father, and they put the donkey on the pole, they tie him on, and they're carrying the donkey. So when they get into the town, everybody's cracking up because it looks so ridiculous. And sure enough, the donkey kicks his foot out, gets loose, falls over the cliff and dies. Moral of the story, you can't please everybody. Some of us, we need to come to Jesus to realize we need to live our lives before the audience of one. He's the one that matters. We please him. Some people won't be happy when we please him. But that's how we can have rest because we can know, hey, I'm doing what Jesus says. I'm on the right road. I can go on and on with the different types of rest, but I think you get the idea now of the kind of rest Jesus is talking about. Secondly, let's look at the nature of this rest that Jesus offers. What does Jesus promise to those who are weary and burdened if they come to him? Again, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but the older I get, I notice this is true. How I love rest, right? It's like, ah. You know when you go in your bed and you're like, oh, bed, you know? I've been waiting for you all day. You know, what took me so long, right? But the kind of rest he's talking about is not the physical rest. Although someday in heaven, he promises we will rest that way. Here he's talking about that inward, that rest for your soul. That no matter how, you know what, like sometimes you say, I'm so tired, but it's a good tired. You know, when you've worked really hard all day and you got something accomplished, you're tired physically, but inside you're like, ah, 
Jesus, in a similar way, Jesus is talking about how inwardly we can have rest no matter how crazy it is outside. You get it? No matter what the circumstances, no matter how we feel physically inside, to hear the Holy Spirit, as it were, say to you this, all is well. Tutto bene. Perfect. That's the rest Jesus is talking about. The kind that he's saying, all is well. Rest from the heavy burden of trying to make up for your sins and your indiscretions by either trying harder to win God's favor or by... I, I remember my mother when I first became a Christian. God saved me. I remember telling her, trying to share the gospel with her. I was a little bit, just a little bit zealous at that point. Joe and, and Angela could tell little stories. But I remember telling her, Mom, how do you, how do you know you can go to heaven? And she, I remember saying, well, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. And I remember saying, Mom, when are you going to know that you just tipped the scale? She said, I don't know. And I said, that's right. So you'll never be certain, will you? Imagine living a life like that every day, not knowing that when you close your eyes, you're going to either face judgment or you're going to enter into paradise. Jesus is saying, you come to me, you can know. Your heart could be at rest. No more striving. Because you know what? The gospel tells us. I remember Tim Keller saying this. I think there are others too, so I'm not making this up. I mean, I, I didn't get it from myself here. Tim Keller said, there's nothing you could do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you could do to make God love you less. That's the gospel. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a rest it is. The rest from that gnawing, accusing, damning conscience. Because here's the problem with the law. And then my last point, I'm going to deal with this. Here's the problem with the law. The law is holy. The Old Testament law, God's law, is holy. It's good. It's righteous. But it can only do one thing for you without Jesus. It can only point out all your flaws. It's a great mirror. But some of us, like when I wake up in the morning, I don't like looking in the mirror. It's nasty. You know what I'm saying? The, that's all the law does. The law says, you're condemned. You're bad. Jesus, as we're going to see in a moment, he not only shows you where you fall, but he delivers you from the fall. And that's the last thing I want to point out here. Third point. What's involved in accepting the invitation that Jesus offers? Look at verse 28, the beginning of it, and then verse 29 and 30. Come to me, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Accepting this incredible, gracious invitation of Jesus entails taking His yoke upon you and learning from Him. Now, the yoke Jesus is talking about, like in modern times, I, I don't know, I still understand. I literally just began to understand this. I feel ashamed of myself being a Christian since 1986 when I studied for this sermon. What is a yoke? I knew it had something to do with, you know, eggs. No, totally different. I knew it had something to do with, you know, the cattle or something. I don't know. So, but what I figured out what it was, I figured out, I looked it up. It's that wooden collar, right, where you would put two oxen together. So you'd put the one collar here and the other collar. And that way when they work and they tread, you know, they plow, they're going in the same direction. It's a lot easier for them. You know, they're not fighting against each other. The power is all going one way. That was helpful for me to understand this text because Jesus is using it as a metaphor. And I'm going to quote one. I only have one 
somewhat complicated quote, and then I'll make it, I'll try to simplify it for us, for people like me who need to hear um, simple English. But Michael Green, who's from London, says it this way. I do like the way he puts it. Metaphorically, the yoke was used to describe the law which the Jewish youth undertook to bind to himself in the bar mitzvah ceremony. It spoke of loyal commitment. And here, the carpenter of Nazareth, who had made many a yoke, because he was a carpenter, says in effect, my yoke fits well. They don't rub your neck and shoulders. Come to me, get yoked up to me. Make an act of loyal obedience, like a bar mitzvah, to me. And you will find a deep peace and satisfaction that you could never find elsewhere. I have come for you. Come to me. Now try to break that down a little bit. What Jesus is saying is, in those days, that, that metaphor of the yoke was used for the law. They would take that yoke upon them. But the yoke of the law was hard, difficile. It was very difficult. The yoke of the law continued, as I mentioned earlier, to say you're bad, you're wrong, you've blown it constantly. And I'll give you a little taste of that. When, when I was like 15 years old, my brother took me outside and said, Sant, you know, Dad isn't happy about the way you turned out. How you like that? And I distinctly remember at that moment, excuse me, I don't mean to get more. I give up then. Really? That's all you had to say to me? I stopped going to church. Never went to church again. I said, done. You couldn't even tell me that. Sorry. I didn't think this was going to happen. Sorry about that. So that's what the law does. The law says, you're lost. Jesus says, connect to me. Take that yoke off. Get connected to my neck. I'm going to go right next to you. So that's what Jesus did. Jesus became one of us. He took our curse. When the law said, you deserve to die, Jesus said, then I'll take it. He's with me. She's with me. And this was the first time I noticed this about this text. And I've preached it before. The beautiful thing about taking Jesus' yoke upon you. You look at the righteous requirements of God's law and you say, impossible. There's no way I could do it. And Jesus says, you're right. But guess what? If you're connected to me, you could do all things. <laughs> you can walk in my way because I'm going with you. I'm empowering you. Here's the neat thing. Jesus works in us in such a way that whereas before it was you must, now it's I want. You see that? Now I want to make my father happy. Because Jesus isn't the kind of commander that says, go! He says, go, and he leads the way. Again, amen? He's going to take the shot first and then say, come with me. We'll do this together. In other words, when you're yoked to God's law, it's bad news. Not because the law is bad, but because you're sinful and you can't keep it. It points out the sad fact in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, it says this, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. But the good news is Jesus became a curse. He fulfilled the law for us. 
Now, how can we call his burden easy and light? Because Jesus says, I am what? Humble. I'm gentle. See, the law it was designed this way. The law is harsh. You cross it, it doesn't show compassion. It's no respecter of persons. You get punished. Jesus, not so. Jesus is merciful. He's compassionate. He's patient. He's slow to anger. Isn't that awesome? He's a compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love. Listen, it's not for no reason that the psalmist says he does not treat us as our sins deserve. See, you go to the law, the law says, I have to treat you as your sins deserve. That's my job. I'm holy. Amen. Jesus can say, I took the righteous judgment that you deserved, and I lived the life you couldn't live already. So now come with me, and I'll show you a better way. The better way is not legalism. Excuse me. Legalism was this. Jesus had a problem with the, the religious leaders. And this is why he had a pro- one of the problems he had with them. Jesus said to them somewhere, as the writer to the uh, Hebrew says, you bind up burdens on men's backs. Remember this? But you don't lift a finger to take them off. That's legalism. You with me? living by rules and trying to do it in your own power. Grace in the gospel is Jesus fulfills it and then enables you. So as I come to a close, I just want us to ask ourselves this. What benefit was it to be in the old master of sin, under the old master of sin? Thanks, Caleb. You didn't have to worry about it. Thanks. What lasting treasure to speak of did you have when you're under the old master of the law and sin? especially when you're under the master of your own sin. Think about it. Sin is pleasurable. I want to close with this. Sin is pleasurable, the Bible says, for what? A short season. Right? But the pleasures of God, it says in the Bible, are forevermore at His right hand. You're tired of legalism. You're tired of the strict community of legalism. What some people do is they run from legalism to license. You with me? I'm closing with this, so pay attention. So they say, you legalists, like I did, I just gave up. Unfortunately, I didn't know any Christian people that time in my life. So when I gave up, you know what I did? I dove in headfirst. Self-destruction. I said, that's it. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, more than ever. I'm just going to dive in. You know, and for, for a season, you know, God doesn't hold things back. He doesn't say, oh, it's no fun. For a season, it's pleasurable. Right? But then, it, then the bitter fruit starts coming. Right? It's not lasting. And then the destructive things start happening to your body, to your soul, and then you realize you're in big trouble. But Jesus says a plague on both your houses, a plague on legalism and a plague on license. Come to me, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's saying swap out yokes. Take my yoke upon you. This invitation is for everyone. Maybe you know the Lord, but you've wandered far like a lost sheep. And Jesus is saying, the invitation stands. Come home. Come. Maybe you've never come. Maybe you're still striving to gain his acceptance. Maybe you're still like me when I was a kid. 
realizing I couldn't do it. Maybe you just gave up. Jesus right now gives you the offer. Come. Don't wait another minute. Don't waste another. Life is short. I laughed about the D.C. thing. But my cousin said to me, she said, I was afraid I'd never see my kids again. Someday that's going to be true, isn't it? In this life. Paul said today's the day of salvation. He wasn't crying wolf. Come to Jesus now. Whether for the first time or whether you've been away too long. Come home. That's his invitation, not mine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for revealing the Father to us. We thank you that the wise and learned who refuse to listen and who are wise in their own eyes, we thank you that although that they have rejected you, we thank you that there's hope for us as we are willing to just confess our sin, our inability, and lean hard on your grace and your wisdom and your mercy. Jesus, our hope is in you. We pray that none of us would leave this room later today still holding on to that burden, still yoked to the old way. Thank you, Jesus, for your yoke. We take it willingly on you, on ourselves. And it's an honor to even suffer for your name. Thank you for the rest that you've promised deep in our souls. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This Sunday sermon was preached by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo. New City's Sunday sermon is recorded live on location at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. If you're in the Atlantic City area, stop by. Our address is 215 North Sovereign Avenue, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Visit us online at newcityac.org. That's www.newcityac.org. Oh God is written and performed by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo. Join us next week for a brand new New Cities Sunday Sermon.